Cape Clear Island, or simply Cape, is the southernmost inhabited part of Ireland, lying eight miles off the West Cork coast. Yeah, I, I don't know, there's, there's an attraction about Cape. You either love it or, or you leave. It's as simple as that. A little over three miles long and a mile or so wide, with a population of about 100. Cape's community is made up of families whose histories stretch back centuries. Cape Clear is an open arms place, so people come and they settle and they become part of the community. It's a tight-knit place, yet remarkably warm to everyone who ventures. Yeah, he calls it the capital of Europe. Right? For the past 20 years, Americans Chuck and Nell Kruger have made it their home. We saw North Harbour for the first time, and strangely enough, we each had tears come to our eyes, though we didn't know the other was doing this until months later. And it was all so different from everything we knew after 20-odd years in Switzerland that we felt here is real nature and civilization mixed together. Absolutely touched us to the bone. So what brought Chuck and Nell to Cape Clear? And what was it that kept them there? Fafno Driskiol, skipper of the Dunanor ferry boat, is one of the first people you meet when journeying to Cape. Uh, Island uh, people over the years have travelled all over the world, they've walked all over the world, and uh, they don't take any notice of people coming and going, you know, you get bird watchers from all over the world, you get all sorts of class of people living here. Can I ask you, and I'll be asking everybody as I'm out and about, uh, as I, I'm going to walk the island with Chuck and drop into neighbours. I'm staying, staying with Eileen Leonard. Just your impressions, your, your first impressions of Chuck and Nell as they arrived. Well, my first impressions were, they're all like anyone else, just ordinary people, and uh, we'll wait and see what they're like, and they turned out very good. Some people, I'm sure, come out to Cape thinking they're going to stay forever and last five minutes, and others come out for five minutes and do the opposite. I think he got fed up of the hustle and bustle of living in Switzerland and, you know, and, uh, he was completely turned off of America. So uh, he just goes back to on holidays. But uh, I'd say when he came here, like, he enjoyed life and he does a bit of writing and stuff like that, you know. And he found peace and quietness there anyway. And, uh, you know, he got <laughs> plenty of wind and rain and stuff like that that he mightn't have seen a whole lot of in Switzerland. But he certainly got it here because he lives up on top of the hill. And I say every spot, Chuck and Nell, I think they enjoy living up there. Like, and, you know, they get on very good with all the people of the island and everything. So I think he enjoys it. So you'd say they're welcome additions? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. It was years since I had seen Chuck. We'll see you tomorrow. Having met by chance on my very first trip to Cape. This time, as the ferry boat arrived into North Harbour, he was on the pier. A little more ruddy-cheeked than before, with a tight grey crop, he still had the cut of a veteran hillwalker. I don't know. How's it work? Well, well good to see you. How are things? <laughs> How are you keeping? Oh, I was fine until now. Until now. Good, good. That's the way to be. That's the way to be. We'll go grab a, a cuppa. You fancy? Uh, as you wish. I've got my car right here. Ah, oh, happy days. OK. I, I didn't know what's going on. OK. We would invite you to start.
The journey to the Kruger's hilltop from the boat is a zigzag of boreens and stone walls, and I find myself being brought into a calmer world. Sitting in the conservatory at Chuck and Nell's house, Chuck takes me back more than 30 years to their first encounter with Ireland. Nell's inside preparing supper as the daylight begins to fade. I grew up hunting and fishing and flying kites and climbing trees, building tree houses. So I was into nature a lot. And I needed to have a new kind of experience with nature, which is what we have here. I knew only fresh water. I'd never spent more than one or two nights beside the ocean before we moved here. Well, that's not quite true, because in 1979 we came to Ireland for the first time, and Nell and I, we had our car with us and a tent. And we moved along the south coast, and then we cut across this part of West Cork. In fact, we never came here. And then we went up as far as Clifton, and we'd camp out for four or five nights. We'd always stop, find a place we really liked beside the sea, find out who owned it, ask permission to put a tent up there, promised I'll be at least as clean when we left and that was the way we experienced Ireland. But every five, six, seven days, we'd stay in a and b so we could take a shower and <laughs> clean up a little bit. <laughs> that was just the way we worked it. And it was a wonderful experience. And then when in 1986, after 20-odd years in Switzerland, we had a strange experience starting in January of 86. We began to have visitors, friends from all over the world, all the friends we've ever known, suddenly were coming to visit us. And every week someone would come. And that lasted up until July of 1986. And we finally saw, we saw two or three weeks free of any visitors. We said, we better get out of here now. Where shall we go? And memories came back of the time we spent in Ireland in 1979. And we said, let's go back there. So we hopped on a plane, flew over here, began hitchhiking. The first stop was Baltimore. We spent a couple nights in Baltimore. Then we went to Shirkin, three nights and Three days there, and then we discovered Cape. <laughs> that did it. Chuck and Nell coming to Cape was accidental, really. They had left the U.S. in the 60s because of the Vietnam War and stopped in Switzerland for more than 20 years, teaching and raising a family. And so it was only when a local auctioneer brought them to Cape on the off chance a farm would take their fancy they truly found home. They stayed in a, a bed and breakfast of a very close friend of my mother's, um, which was actually on the other side of the South Harbour from where they live now. Their heads were turned utterly. Cape Clear Islander Fiona McLaughlin still remembers Chuck and Nell's first reaction to the place. And they used to sit in the window of the B&B and look at the land. And Kathleen used to ring my mother and said, look at these two crazy I don't think they're dangerous. They just sit there and they look at the land. They just sit and they look at it. They do nothing else. <laughs> so, yes, we do remember them arriving. <laughs> but, yes, I mean, they, they, and they'll, they'll say it themselves. They sat and looked at it. They were just so taken with it. So, you know, but Kathleen's going, they're mad. <laughs> so, for me, it's still an utterly new experience. I've never seen waves like this. I've never known wind like this. I've never known, in a way, such a, a barren countryside as this. It's, it's so rugged, craggy, but I enjoy it. I think everybody sus suspected their enthusiasm. 
you know, they just seemed so gung-ho. A lot of people were sort of going, this is, yeah, this is not going to last. They, they, they're, they are going to lose their enthusiasm for the place. Um, and apparently not. <laughs> the house was just a little dot on the map. I mean, the, the farm here is 60 acres. This really is a dot on those 60 acres, but it's quite a meaningful dot. It was a small house. Seven children grew up here. It was built about 1885, around then. We don't know for sure. Just one of the girls was left. She was, I think, 76 when we bought it from her. And it had never had water. There was water to the house, but not inside the house. There'd never been a toilet. There'd never been electricity because the house was struck by lightning in 1957, a bolt went through the roof, went into one of the upstairs rooms, came down the stairs and out the front door. And when Katie was offered free electrical contact back in the early 70s, she said, no, 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 I want nothing to do with electricity. I know it's a work of the devil. When I was, when I was a kid, my, um, my favorite place to go was my grandfather's farm. He was a dairy farmer. And I was aware as I grew older, that when I was in some sort of difficulty inside myself, my dreams would take me to my grandfather's farm. That was, that was where home spoke best. And when we moved here, I stopped dreaming of the farm because I was home. <laughs> Maybe for the first time, really home. It was just as if, right, this is, this is good. Loved the place where we raised our kids, the two houses we lived in when we were bringing up the family. That was absolutely super. But it still wasn't quite home in the total sense of the word. Cape at night is spectacular. An unspoilt, sweeping canvas with a mere speckle of lights. And so Chuck takes me to the lookout point at the edge of the garden. A spot he and Nell stand on every day just to get a proper eyeful of the island. Pretty black clouds to the north. It's not as cold as it was this morning. And a bit of a halo around the moon, which is nice to see. Blue sky over there to the southwest, black sky to the north. And you can just hear the wash down in South Harbor. We dip under the clothesline. Oh, I'm used to doing that. Yes. I'll follow you up. Go on ahead. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, the wind has really picked up speed here. It's knocking us around a little bit. I'd say this is this is probably gust this is probably around 40 50 miles an hour right now around there. Whoa, there's a chill. There's a chill. Well, and you can see the wind is from the west west northwest and what a lot of gusts you can see darkening the harbor there. Whoa. It's almost hard to talk and there's some rain over there way to the west there. That'll be here in probably 5 10 minutes. That's creeping in. It's getting dark as well, but that, we're <laughs> we're now looking out over South Harbor. Yes, we are. Yep. And you can see a few of the lights coming on now. You always look around every night. You look around at what lights are on, who's home, who's not home. There aren't any secrets that way. You can Up there, you can see the old lighthouse and the Napoleonic signal tower. Ah, and there's the moon almost disappearing in the clouds now. Poor old fella. And Jupiter disappearing as well. Oh, Jupiter's gone altogether. You can just see a light on the mainland right now, way over there in the little notch in the hill there. That's the waste of the island, and then across Roaring Water Bay to the mainland. 
and you can see Hungry Hill from here. That's kind of the highest mountain in West Cork. Although right now we can't see it. There's too much cloud. And it's starting to rain. I think we better head in. <laughs> and what light is that? That's a lighthouse over there, is it? No, I don't, I don't know what light it is. I've been looking at it for 20 years. I have no idea what it is. We better get out of here before we actually blow out of here. Yeah, no, that's a good gust, though. Don't fall. <laughs> that is a good gust. Come in, come in. There we are. Ooh, that was uh, chilly and windy. And it got darker those five minutes we were out there. Look how much darker it is now. Of course, where's the moon? It's disappeared altogether now. Cloud cover's in. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that's a blast. There's no clock on the wall when it comes to supper at the Kruger house. And so the conversation can go just about anywhere. Chuck and Nell have been in step ever since the early 20s knowing from the very start about being together. Everything else just seemed to fall into place for this couple, now in their very early 70s. Those I can still see happen. her the first time I ever saw her <laughs> walking down a university corridor hall. She was on my left-hand side, and I was on the right, the other side of the corridor, and I changed my position so that we were going to have a double date, which I had arranged, but I didn't know one girl from the other, and I had a friend with me. And I said, now there's the girl for me. So I shoved my friend to the other side. No, and I met. That was that. And what did we confess to each other? I don't remember how long afterwards. He looked at me and said, hmm, big hips, but I, I like the face. And I looked down and said, hmm, got a bit of a nose there, but looks friendly. <laughs> and here we are. Hard to imagine. Oh. 50 years and, and kitties who come the middle of March will be 42, 44, and 46. Yep. That's really hard Our three to... children. Mm-hmm. And so it was time to leave Chuck and Nell. Little did I realise it will be weeks before I get to return, thanks to winter storms. Glad to be back on board the Dunanor. I met Sarah, one of the crew. Hiya. I'm okay, I'm in your way. No, not sad, I just squeeze up past you. Weather's not too bad today at all? No, it isn't, no. Be a nice, easy ride. Should be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should be quite For those on Cape, weather is a huge part of their days and nights. Something to be watched, anticipated, respected, always. Never to be ignored. Well, <clears throat> any weather that's too bad, we wouldn't be out of it. It's okay. as simple as that. If the boat wasn't fit for it, we wouldn't be out of it. So any day that we have been a bit bumpy, like, but... Because uh, I'm just thinking, sir, because uh, when I was across before Christmas, uh, there was a, a fairly choppy day. I was yeah. kind of sitting inside going all sorts of shades of green, yeah. and uh, you weren't even batting an eyelid. No, she just like anything you Relatively speaking, I suppose last week would have been pretty hard enough. Okay. There was uh, Tuesday, we didn't sail at all. Okay. Wednesday, we went out in the morning, and it freshened all morning, and by the time we were going back in at 2 o'clock, there was a bit, bit of a lump, like they say. <laughs> a bit of a lump? What's yeah. a lump? A bit of a lump? Um, I suppose it'd be, like, a lot of the time you could have wind, but you'd have no swell in the base, so all you're getting is spray, and the boat would be quite wet. Other days then, you'd have a big big swell in the bay, a four-metre swell, like, but she just kind of goes up and down. So, I, I suppose a bit of a lump. Like, that was about a four, seven, six to seven, no, last Wednesday going in. Far from idle talk, the state of the elements holds everyone's attention, especially Nell's. 
when we leave here, we have to travel by ferry. We have to become very concerned with what the weather is. But we're always aware. We'll wake up in the middle of the night and say, what do you hear the rain? See if the other one's awake enough to hear the rain is suddenly pounding on the windows. Or did you hear the... The, the the rattle the rattle of the slates on the roof just suppose things are serious <laughs> and it's great because we never paid that attention to the weather when we were in Switzerland we used to go outside a lot we had a garden we used to go hiking in the in the hills the lower Alps but we never paid the kind of attention we pay here I think it's become a marvelous part of our lives I don't know whether we, we had time to enjoy it the same way when we were living in Switzerland what with a young family growing up and both of us working. I, I don't think that there was quite that same need, maybe, for having that. Or perhaps the reason we came here was because we had a need for it and we didn't know it. One of the things Chuck said to me when we were trying to explain to ourselves why, in the name of God, we bought for the first times in our lives a piece of property, a house. We'd never owned anything. We'd been married for a quarter of a century. And he said, well, maybe we need another child, but we certainly don't want one with two legs. Because <laughs> by then, at that point, the baby was probably 16, older than that when we moved here. But it was one of the sudden realization that maybe we did need something brand new that was going to get us out and about in a totally different sort of a way. Blow-ins. Chuck and Nell aren't the first and certainly won't be the last to blend into Cape. Their closest neighbour, a might be and be landlady, Eileen Leonard, arrived long before them. There were one or two people who had blown in before me who had married in here as well. And then I was kind of came, and then after, like a number of years, quite a lot of the island men married uh, ladies from the mainland. So obviously with the great mix going on, and then you, like after a while you had whole families moving in. Some people staying for a year, because that's what they had decided to do. And some people staying maybe for 10 or 12 years and then moving on. Some people decided that they would come and they would stay for X amount of years, but they had preconceived notions of what they would do and what Cape was like, and they had a shorter stay. And, uh, you know, there's always like a transient kind of population. You were quite the exotic creature here oh, there from Kerry. Yeah. <laughs> I was indeed. <laughs> I was indeed. I do remember after, very traditional, like we had a very traditional wedding in Kerry, of course, and uh, all of that, and a big number of people from Cape Clear came up. And But anyway, when we came back here, we had um, what used to be like, you know, they used to have like a night when the people came back from being married, but maybe not quite on the night, maybe a day or two later, in the house where all the neighbours gathered, and we had food and music, and I danced my, my first Clara set on that night. Like, as I said, the welcome, you just don't get it anywhere. Like, you don't. People wrote me beautiful letters even before I came to live here. Letters of welcome, and I still have them. Yeah, I was, they've written these beautiful letters of welcome ever before I came to live permanently here. You know, so that, that'll give you some idea of the kind of people that live on Cape Clare. Cape extended the same warmth to Chuck and Nell when they landed. Remember when we had the housewarming party, it took us two or three weeks to issue all the <laughs> invites. We went around house to house, mm. handing in kind of a, a, a personal invitation. And so often we were invited into the house and then there was something to drink or something to eat. And suddenly, instead of doing the whole works in a day or two, it took us several weeks. 
came home. But it was a way to be in ev almost every house on the island. Mm -hmm. That's how welcoming the place was. Arms full of, of rhubarb and yes. bunches of onions, a batch of scones, bag yeah. of potatoes. Mm -hmm. You don't have to work at a welcome when people are welcoming <laughs> like that in such Whoa. a natural way. Yes. <laughs> that is something else. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so. But that is this island. Yeah. On the island, driving's another ball game altogether, played out at an easier pace. A lot of the cars that are no longer suitable for the mainland are just fine here on Cape Clear. So we get another two, three, four years out of them. Say the car I'm driving right now, it was our mainland car, but then I had a Problem. What was it that broke on the car now? The, oh, the, oh, the main, the, the head gasket went. And now every two or three days here on the island, I have to pour water into the radiator. You know, a gallon of water, approximately every two, yeah, every two or three days, so that it doesn't heat up on me. And the car's working just fine. When you, here on the island, you drive, how much do we drive? Maybe two miles every three or four days. You know, down to the harbor and back, pick up the messages. And that'll do us for two or three days. Then we may have to go pick up you today, you know. Okay, that's that's about uh, one-third of the week's driving. That's just the way it works here. I put petrol in the car today. I went down to meet you, but I went down early. I haven't put petrol in the car for, I would say, three to four months. I had a full tank the last time. It lasted me until now. Now, today, I, I just put in, I put in 60 euros worth and I've noticed it's only just a little over half a tank because <laughs> we're paying 160 a liter here on the island a little more than on the mainland but we have to pay to get the petrol in so fair enough that's just the way it works Islanders often have a mainland car too a very different vehicle mostly parked up but no one loses any sleep over it we've had next I think we had a rearview mirror busted off at one time and once some slates fell off a roof and crashed through the back window. But, you know, that's no one's fault. That's just what happens. <laughs> about the time, it was years ago, when you went out and discovered footprints on the bottom. Oh, on the, yeah, muddy footprints on the trunk, or the boot, excuse me, over the top and across the hood, muddy footprints. And I, I our car was parked across the street from the police station. And I, I went over there and, and said to the guard, uh, have you seen my car? thinking, you know, that might mean something. He says, oh, yes, Chuck, I, I know about that. You see the next car up? That's mine. And look at the prints there. <laughs> there we were. <laughs> That's the way it works. The thing that strikes me most about Cape is its sense of togetherness. It's like one big family. You know everyone. Everyone knows you. Taking a walk with Chuck allows me to really see the island in its people and their embrace. Hi, Mary. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Hello there. Just How are you doing? Just walking by and I just had to say hello and introduce you My to David. My name is David. David Young. Happy New Year to you. After you? Okay. Mary Mack. She's in her 80s. Abandons the TV to talk to us. Oh, you got a fire going there. I'm in the same bed, Chuck. 
How's Mary doing? I'm not too bad. I just had no door call. Oh, sorry about that. I had a note for you. Yeah. Where are you? From you, Irish? I'm, I am Irish, yes. <laughs> I'm actually from in Westmead. That's where I grew up. But I'm living in Kerry, married to a Kerry woman. I lived in Straight away, Mary places me and finds our connection. My house in Balance Spittle and her seeing the moving statue of Mary. 1985. That's right. Were you there? Oh, I wasn't there, is it? I was about well, there. Uh, I saw him. Well, I saw him. I saw the first of all, this lady changed completely. That's the gentleman. And I saw the wine lord at the side of her face. And his face, he had a long, thin face, a little beard. And he looked at it. For a blow-in, Chuck's as knowledgeable as any islander. He's studied the place and knows it intimately. The high point of the island, atop Canuck Quarantine, Quarantine Hill. There are lots of different stories about why it's named that, but there was over here a passage tomb which uh, archaeologist Paddy O'Leary helped to authenticate as a passage tomb, bless him, and he was would come over here in at the other end of the island, we make it to Mihal Odriskiol's farm, dropping in to ask about the ancient marriage stones on his land. Mihal chats while his wife Mary sleeps. Is, is Mary here? Mary is having a nap. Oh, I'll be quiet. Upstairs. Okay. <laughs> I'll get out of your way altogether. No worries. No worries. No worries. Could you tell me a little bit about the stones? They're on your land. Oh, they are. They were there, they said that in the old days people get married at them stones or something. <laughs> yeah. Do they work for you? Well, I think we'd choose them, right? <laughs> <laughs> there was a pair came there last year, I forget now where they're from. Some parts of the country, I forget now. And they get married there. They get married at the stones. At the stones? At the stones, yes. <laughs> They came along there one evening. It was, la- was it last year or the year before? It was the year before. It's anyway. happened a number of times. Yes, but right. I but think but that's um, the most recent one, yeah. I, oh, this is two years ago. Because they came, they were back again, though, last year, I think. To celebrate. And they, and they said they had a child. <laughs> <laughs> Those stones are kind of powerful, then. Oh, they must be. <laughs> stones. <laughs> Have you ever had your good wife Mary put her hand through them? I don't think so. I don't remember. <laughs> You've lived here all your lives and never done that? Oh, we did, yes, right. <laughs> Walking with Chuck, you see him light up every time he turns to show you something. Well, if you look out to sea... Want to catch your breath? I am catching it. I'm catching the wind, too. <laughs> You can see one of the few full-time Cape Clear fishing boats out there. The Atlantic Freedom is between us and the West Calf Island right now. And exactly what it's pulling in, I don't have any idea. I don't know whether it's trawling or doing lobster pot. <laughs> yes, we're right in front of the Cape Clear Castle, Dunanore. Those are sheer cliffs, boy. 
Uh, there's a place up there, the highest point on those cliffs. It's fun to lie down there and stick your head over it and look at this. It's one of my favorite spots for lying down on Cape Clear. Yeah, if somebody's holding your ankles. When I first came here, oh boy, I was afraid of heights. I got vertigo. But after a couple of years living here, I stopped having all those troubles. I had them all my life until I lived here for a couple of years. And now I'm over my fear of heights. Are you saying Cape Clear cured you? Of that, yes. <laughs> but quite a castle. Look at, look at. Nell was brought up a Quaker. And if I had to be anything, I was a Presbyterian as a boy. I broke with my church when I was about 14. So if I, if I have a religion, it's being a Quaker. But I really think my religion is more a worship of nature. In the late 90s, Chuck's world turned on its head. Diagnosed with prostate cancer, he looked to the island for help and strength before undergoing the long road to recovery. I walked the perimeter of the island. I wanted to really gain some energy that had helped me more than survive the radiotherapy because it is pretty tough on a, a body to have all that radiation. So what I did was to try to walk around every little rugged inch of the perimeter of this island, wherever the cliffs uh, would allow me to be below them. So I, I did that, and I, I did. It took me about two weeks, you know, doing a little bit every day, but it, it's rugged walking, much of it. It helped me psychologically, I think, uh, the island giving me the energy, perhaps psycho, just psychologically, to be able to withstand the radiotherapy. I think I was trying to put more of the island inside me, what I love about the island, so that I would be carrying that with me. I remember when Chuck was going in for his prostatectomy, and one of the gals on the island came up to me saying, hey, I know you don't go to church where we go. Just want you to know we're lighting candles for you. And I just found that so incredibly heartwarming and helpful. There is a rhythmless rhythm to the kind of walking that we do now, and sometimes it's simply down to North Harbor to get the paper. Sometimes we'll walk the mass path or head over to the east end or drive a half a mile up the road and then go wander for two or three hours. Very much depends on, on the mood and the weather. One of the things we often find is that he'll say, oh, i got to take a picture. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And then we go 50 yards down the road, and I'm going, oh, wait, I've got to go up and check out those flowers and see what they are. So between us, we can slow it down a lot, too, if, if that's where the mood is. Uh, it used to pick blackberries and bring them home to make jam, but now we discover that we just stuff ourselves while we're walking. <laughs> it's hard to... Oh, you, you'll go to a neighbor to, to get eggs and come home four hours later. There, there really is just... We're, we're very fortunate to have just that kind of time that we can do with what we would like to do with. I don't know how many people have that as a blessing in their lives. Very fortunate. Another Cape Clear day closes out, with Nell in the kitchen readying supper. Having heard about the island's birds, Chuck opens my eyes to the butterflies, too. <laughs> but there's some wonderful butterflies, especially around Cape. It's one of the things I love about Cape, all the butterflies. You've never mentioned that one to me before, the butterflies. Oh, yes. Oh, here on Cape. Oh, gosh. I've never known butterflies in my life the way I have come to, to meet them since I've been here. So as you go on your walks, it's something that... Oh, the meadow frittillary, the red admirals. I, I think they're just the blue. They're just 
fabulous creatures, yes. Tell me a little more about the butterflies. For example, if you go just outside our, our backyard here, into the first pasture for the, for the visiting cattle, you will see a whole bunch of net nettles, just a little puddle of nettles. And I've left them there because so many butterflies love to lay their eggs in nettles. That's why they're, otherwise I would have weeded them out of there. But no, I've intentionally left them there. I've always hated nettles all my life. I used to get stung by nettles a lot as a boy. And now here I am growing them so the butterflies can have them. You describe different types of butterflies. Can you take me through just even uh, a quick descriptor of the butterflies that you, you would actually see frequenting? Well, I mentioned the, the meadow fritillary, the red admiral. They're, I see them a lot. I'd say they're some of the most common, other than the white, the blue, you know, some of the, some of the blue, the wall. The wall's here, yeah, the wall's here pretty frequently. That's a lovely butterfly, too. I, I don't know what to tell you about butterflies. Is there an especially rare one? I don't know them that well. Just like we have, you know, Cape is most famous for its birds, and it's the only place in all of Ireland that has a full-time bird warden and a bird observatory where people can stay who, who like birds. And we've had well over 300 different species seen on the island. And people come from all over Europe sometimes when a bird is spotted here, not just the, the twitchers. That, but if there's a rare bird seen here, the word goes out, you know, text, whatever. And suddenly people come. When we had a blue-winged warbler here a few years back, over 700 people came to the island because it was the first time in Europe that that bird had ever been seen. And all of those 700 people saw the blue-winged warbler. But things like that do happen on Cape Clear. It's part of what makes the island a special place. Blue-winged warbler. Yes. So Steve Wing, who's the warden of the Bird Observatory, a predecessor was David Bird, that's just amazing. Talk about synchronicities. Steve so knows his birds. But uh, I don't know my butterflies. I just love them. Wow, like 700 people. Yes, that is Did no exaggeration. Yes, that was within the, four, the first four days of the bird being here on, on the island. The following morning, I call into the Krugers for the final time. Chuck's going to take me for one last walk. Hi, David. Come on in. So how are you doing today? Fine, thank you very much. Chuck, how are you doing? Fine, and you? Good. How's that poem going? Well, I've got a new draft of it done. Did you? Yep. Yep. Have you been running this by editor-in-chief yet? I have given her a copy, but she hasn't had a chance to read it. I gave it to her about three minutes ago. Okay, so you haven't read it to her. It's, a, it's the silent... Oh, no, I don't dare do that. You don't? Well, that's interesting. Oh. Well, you do sometimes, but not usually when they're in draft form. Okay. Now, he just kind of slips them onto the table. Well, what do you make of that? And, and, yeah. and then at some point, I slip them back onto the stairs. And when he's walking up to his office, he picks them up. When Chuck speaks of Cape Clear, I can see the boy who grew up on the Finger Lakes of upstate New York, at home here on a tiny island in the middle of nowhere. I was here not too long ago, within the last two years, with a fellow with a divining rod, an old man. The divining rod was just a coat hanger. And I don't believe much in divining. But he said, Chuck, would you please take hold of this? So I held it out in front of me and walked by the stone right around here. And when I got right there, a rod almost yanked out of my hands as it went down toward the ground. And every time, I did that four or five times in a row, and I couldn't believe how the rod, the power, the power lines coming out from the stone, 
yanked that hanger. Well, so there's something going on here. Even though I'm not a believer in such things, uh, I know what happened. <laughs> so exactly what is here, I can't tell you. And how this when we first came here, there were just a couple television sets on the island, and I don't remember any computers. It's quite changed now. Yep. It's like everybody has to be a builder, a plumber, an electrician, a logistician. You have to know how to do things yourself. Yes, so many different things. Yep. I remember one time having a plumbing problem, and I, I called a neighbor for help. And he said, oh, Chuck, you need, a, you need a new washer here. And he takes off his welly, takes scissors out of my, my Swiss Army knife, and cuts a round circle on top of his welly and puts in that bit of rubber. And it's fixed. It's still there <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> Just the way we do things. On Cape Clear, Chuck and Nell have found home. And a way of looking at life and death that makes sense. Funerals have been very much a part of our lives. Never been to so many funerals as we have here. Um, it's a part of life in a different way. Certainly the idea of the wake. I think my mother would have gone, <gasps> a what? And I tried to explain to her what a lovely way it is to say goodbye to somebody when you can actually go in and hold their cold hand and just say thank you and safe journey or whatever it is that you share. So I must say that I've, I've found that I came to the conclusion, I think, since we've been here, that, and I can say it now because I'm not a youngster, it's okay to die. No, I'm losing my memory. Yes, no, decidedly. Things I know I once knew I no longer know. Sometimes Nell can bring back for me a memory I have had, but I, that I no longer have. But, but it's something that's happening to me, and I don't seem to have much control over it. I'm trying to, to work on it, but I can't say that I, my memory's getting any better. <laughs> I'm just feeling it weakening. Every once in a while, I can't think of a name that I know very well. And then, then the next day, I'll know it, but that night, I didn't know it. That's been happening lately. Yep. Even people on this island. Mm-hmm. It's natural for this to happen to some people, and it's happening to me. I just like to slow it down as much as I possibly can. What did you say your name was, David? <laughs> <laughs> they say it's the simple things in life that matter and put a smile on our faces. Well, at least that's how it is for Chuck and Nell on Cape Clear. Some place where the noise that wakes you up is... <clears throat> Crows. There. It's a crow or it's a seagull, more likely. Or the tractor, size of the waves. Or a tractor going up the hill. And that's the kind of noise that wakes you up. Or the wind around the eaves. Where invitations for local gatherings are often... And bring a plate so that everybody is contributing to what's going on one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A community. A whole way of life we, we love and respect. Yeah the ups and downs, ins and outs of this little place.